You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. All right, so today we're going to talk about the seven powers and how they can apply to your business and how everyone should be thinking about the seven powers. So I actually have the book right here, okay? And usually what I do is I put the dog ears on the bottom if there is there's like a helpful insight and there's actually a lot of dog ears in here, so that's a good thing. Seven Powers, it's a book written by Hamilton Helmer, right? And I'll pull this up on my on my screen over here. And this article is written by um, former Leveling Up podcast guest, uh, Sachin Riki. And so Hamilton actually, this guy actually has invested in companies like Netflix. And so the Seven Powers, if we think about strategy, and first before we you know kind of go down this, this list over here, when we think about strategy, it is the map for you to get to where you're trying to go. Tactics are kind of like what you need to do along the way. And when you think about the seven powers in terms of business strategy, it's like, okay, well, if I just focus on these seven things, we're going to have a big advantage over other people. And so, you know, I want to apply this kind of in the context of the, the things that I'm doing right now. And, you know, because I'm also making this for the leveling up team, right? And so leveling up as an organization you know, when we think about the different businesses that we're trying to buy or whatever it is that we're trying to build, ideally, they have at least one or two aspects of the seven powers. Ideally, all seven would be perfect, right? And so one good example, let's just talk about the seven powers first. So you have scale economies. Okay, so let's go down the list over here. So scale economies, that's one of the powers and I'll kind of go down and explain. So scale economies and then network economies, counter positioning, you have switching costs, you have branding, you have a cornered resource or cornered resources, process power, and that's basically it, okay? So let's focus on the first one, scale economies. So when you think about an e-commerce company, the more units that you order, the more favorable pricing terms that you get. So as you start to produce more, your pricing actually becomes more efficient, or it could be you have a software business and as you sell more units, well, it's not like you're having to hire a bunch of new people, right? So you have, you can call it scale economies or economies of scale, whatever you want to call it, right? And that's why a lot of people love software businesses because it's recurring revenue and you have economies of scale. And so the next one over here would be network effects so or, or network economies. So in Silicon Valley, you call them network effects, but you know, you can... Right here, they're citing LinkedIn, but if you think about Facebook, if you think about Instagram, if you think about YouTube, the network becomes more valuable as more users start to use it, right? And that's why in the very beginning, it's, it's we're talking about how, or when you think about a network effects, network effects business, it's a winner takes all type of thing, right? And you have to acquire as many users as possible. And then ideally you have to hold the attention as well to keep them as part of the network. Because if you think about it, you know, MySpace has failed, Friendster, they failed as well. A lot of social media networks have failed. So network effects, I mean, why has Facebook been so dominant over the years? There's reason for it, right? And that's why they're, they're valued so highly as well. And so the third one would be counter positioning. So in the case of counter positioning, Vanguard would be when they first launched as 
kind of the this low cost index fund, they were competing against a lot of mutual funds, right? And they were kind of counter positioning saying, hey, like, you know, we're not going to actively manage your money, but, you know, we're just going to track the index. And then more and more people started going to it. In, in the beginning, everyone was like, oh, this is not going to work, right? And all the incumbents were like, oh, you know, this idea will never work. They dismissed it. It's too risky for their business as well because their business is working so well at the moment. Why would they ever switch, right? So the incumbents, it's too risky for them. And that gives the kind of uh, the new entrant an opportunity to kind of step in and, and take over. Now, number four over here would be switching costs. So when you think about buying software like Salesforce or HubSpot, like a CRM, you start inputting more and more data. Over the years, you use it more and more and more. And what tends to happen is, well, you're pretty locked in. It's not as easy to switch over to a new CRM. Like all the integrations you've added, all the setup time you spent, all the training you've done, it's not easy to switch over. So you might as well just stay, right? And you know, if a customer threatens to leave, you say, hey, I'll just give you more favorable pricing terms, right? That's actually a lot more attractive than them having to explore a brand new solution. So switching costs. Salesforce does a really good job with that. Branding. So branding is something that takes a long time to build. If you want to think about premium, or luxury goods such as Hermes or Louis Vuitton. Well, they built the brand up over the years. They're this luxury brand. Mercedes-Benz is an example as well. They're using Tiffany's jewelry here and they maintain that premium positioning. You can destroy the brand very quickly, but it takes years and years, a very long time to build up that brand, all right? And then corner resource is, they're using Pixar over here. Pixar is a good example because all of the films that they've done, especially maybe the first 15 or 20 or so, were rated so highly, but it was the same people that were kind of directing it, right? They had that special magic. So the cornered resource in this case would be talent that they had. And in a lot of cases, people might say a cornered resource is talent, but I think it's special. Like there's actually, in this case, it's like, oh, 10, 20 movies or so. And another corner resource might be, hey, if you have all the rights to, I don't know, lumber in the United States, that's a cornered resource, right? And finally, last but not least would be process power. So a good example of this would be Toyota. Their entire process, which involves Kanban, all this other stuff, it's all merged together where they made their vehicle manufacturing very, very efficient. And, you know, over the years, you know, people tried to emulate them, but it's, they've developed, it took them you know, 50 plus years to get this process right. And it's not easy to copy the process, right? So process power is not, if you're able to duplicate a process very easily, that's not necessarily process power, right? Okay, so now let's talk about how this applies to kind of what I'm doing right now to make it a little simpler as well. So with the leveling up organization, this is really for my team as well, or it is not, not as well, it's, it's for my team. And so let's start from the very top over here. So when we think about economies of scale, so let's use the agency single grain as an example. So as an agency, if all we're doing is signing people to retainers and for every retainer, let's say we charge you $1,000 or 15% and then you just keep doing that. But yet every time you close new clients, you're going to have to think about you know, adding a percentage of new employees, right? Because you need more people to manage the marketing campaigns. And so it's hard to achieve economies of scale there. Now, what we're trying to do is when we do marketing for people, we want to do pay for performance. So you don't pay us until we perform, you know, after the setup. And, you know, that's a lot more lucrative and it's, incentives are a lot more aligned because instead of saying, hey, you're going to pay us like a management fee each month and we're just going to maintain the account for you. Now it's you pay us only when we perform and 
you know, if we perform, we're just going to keep driving more and more leads and it just keeps scaling up and you have one person focused on it instead of trying to sign a bunch of new clients, right? So you're focused on, you know, maybe a handful of clients and you don't need that many clients. And then you do have economies of scale because I do have people that run, you know, friends that run these pay for performance agencies doing, you know, $2.6 million per employee, right? Instead of, you know, 150 or 200 grand per employee. And so it's just a lot more efficient that way. Now, as we go down here and I'll kind of pull up a my bigger face over here. So network effects, right? So, you know, if we were to build a social network, you know, more and more people would have to use it to become more valuable. That's great. Well, what can we do then? Well, we can build a marketing community. So the Marketing School podcast, we built Marketing School Pro. If we add more and more users to it and the community is actually good, then the network will get stronger and stronger. And then we can do other stuff with the network. We can, we can, you know, do special events for them. We can ask them, you know, what they want and deliver on the promise, right? So I think a community does have a network effect type of effect on it. And then number three would be counter positioning. So kind of similar to number one here, we talked about economies of scale, but counter positioning saying, hey, look, we're not going to be a traditional agency. You know, in some cases we might have like some traditional agency clients, but we're going to try to go for pay for performance. And that's the counter positioning aspect. So most agencies aren't willing to do that because maybe it's too risky for them. If you're big, like on the com and you're doing, you know, a billion plus revenue a year, you know, it's too risky for you to try this business model, right? With, with pay for performance. So that is counter positioning. Number four would be switching costs. So let's go back to the agency example. So with single grain, you know, it might be very easy to switch out. Let's say we do a really good job for you running your ads for a year. Well, you know, if we're doing a really good job and your ad spend's increasing, increasing, our price is increasing, increasing, you're actually incentivized to get rid of us, right? And so you want to make it where switching costs are, well, it's not attractive to actually try to move off of us, right? So if we do the pay for performance thing, there's kind of a switching cost aspect built into it. But if we layer on other relevant services, we make switching costs more difficult. If we layer on like really strong relationship on top of, we start adding in all these goodies, it's much harder to just say, hey, we're going to switch over. So you think about that, right? With whatever business that you have. And then branding. So you know, with this whole leveling up movement over here, I had to pull the book up, right? This whole leveling up movement, you know, long-term, we're trying to build a movement. We're trying to build a brand around it. And I know that's not going to be done in a year, not two years, not five years, not 10 years. We're going to just keep going and we have to live it. That's why the whole organization is called leveling up. And, you know, ultimately, you know, we want to help level the world up. And then, I mean, part of how, what I'm good at, what I understand is building a really good marketing team. Everything kind of trickles down, right? I'm not saying the marketing stuff is the end all be all, but it's just what I happen to know. And then we can, you know, add on a bunch of people to the team that they're good at the other areas. So that's branding, right? Branding typically tied more to consumer type stuff, which is great for leveling up because it's more geared towards consumers. But, you know, it's harder to say you have a premium brand when it comes to B2B. But when you have a consumer brand and you're like, you're the Tesla, you're the Mercedes, or you're the SpaceX, right? That tells a little bit of a different story. So, but just keep in mind, branding takes a very long time to develop. Corded resource. So, you know, for us, part of it's going to be how do we hire the best people? If we're doing an education division, who's actually done it before? How can we hire those people? How can we hire the absolute best team over there for the people that have performed at a very high level? That's a little shaky, I would say. That's somewhat of a corded resource. But it's not quite like Pixar where it's like they had 10 or 20 hits, right? A corded resource would be, let's say we have specific data. Okay, so with the software that we have, the software that we're gonna that we're building, we're gonna have a lot of data. And that is a corner resource because that's unique to us because the user's running, I mean, we're not sharing it with the internet, right? So that is unique to us. Now, last but not least, when it comes to process power, like Toyota, it's gonna take a very long time to develop the right, the proper training process for leveling up. 
because we want to take people from zero to not only job ready, but to become leadership ready as well. And eventually running their own things within our organization or even starting their own things, right? That's going to be a thing that is going to require a lot of tender loving care and something that you know, can't be like a second or third priority. I mean, if we want to get that right, we're going to have to develop that over the years and have that be a very high priority. And so the process has got to be unique. Our training process has to be so unique that everyone in the world wants to emulate it, but it's too hard to emulate. So imagine if we're able to build an organization where we say, hey, you know what? If you're good enough, like we'll get you up to leader and we'll have you running one of our divisions and you're going to be doing really well for yourself, really well for your family. And that's going to be remarkable. Like to take people from, I think it's great, right? I think education is going to be disrupted. So to have that process, I mean, that's something I'm really excited about. So let me know what you think in the comments about this. Let me know if you plan on reading a book like Seven Powers. Don't forget to hit the subscribe and the bell button if you joined this video. And don't forget to check out the next video over there and we'll see you tomorrow. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.